truth. You can't handle the truth. David Webb. Truth is the authority. Oh, it's true. It's true. I will tell the truth. Truth is the authority. It's true. You deserve the truth. This is the David Webb Show. I'll get back to the veterans issues in a little bit. So I know there are some of you on the line that want to talk about that. I'm going to ask you to be patient. We do have other topics to cover. And one of them, I know, of course, is important to this audience. The rampage of legalities and challenges and missives from the Biden administration on the vaccine mandate. From day one, I have said this is about freedom and choice and responsibility, which, if they have their way, will be taken away from the American people. President Biden, for his part, has issued their hard deadline. I don't know how they determine that companies with 100 or more employees or less than 100 employees had any kind of differential when, in fact, there are so many other factors to be even considered before realizing you can't come up with a perfect scenario. But if this is truly an emergency, one, they don't have the right as a federal government. That's the right. That's states. That's states' rights. But two, why is it, well, January 4th of 2022nd? Why not say it has to start today? Today, the minute we fight and win it, we're going to fight, we're going to start it today. Well, because they know the truth. They know what they're doing. This is about compliance. And the OSHA memo is being challenged. For our part, and I are being the American part, we have to fight this with lawfare. I have said that for years. And we need to do it effectively. Brooke Goldstein, executive director of the Lawfare Project, joins me now. Brooke, it's been a minute since we've talked. Great to have you here. Lawfare. You know, I think I learned a lot of that from you many, many years ago when I watched you really develop this approach. Hi, David. Thank you so much for having me. I'm really grateful that you're covering these issues. Um, I would say, however, I'd push back. What we need here is not lawfare, but simply the pursuit of justice. What we need is uh, really a long, hard look at uh, the Constitution and the basic fact that we are in a state of crisis and whether or not the fear-mongering by the executive justifies this type of overreach and overbroad and, as you mentioned, totally arbitrary mandate that has the potential to affect millions and millions of American citizens and which basically has the effect of forcing them to put a vaccine in their body or lose their job or be subjected to uh, testing, weekly testing, and so forth. So. For, and and I, I, get, I take your point that what we really need is justice. But in order to get it, we're not getting it via constitutional decisions or, or what is being attacked are constitutional rights and responsibilities uh, under the law. So how do we effectively stand against these forced mandates? 
Well, first of all, you know, there are over 50 lawsuits now, I think last time I checked, challenging the various mandates, whether it's the health care worker mandate or the private employer mandate or the federal workers. And they're all very, very important lawsuits. And what we need to do as citizens is continue to speak openly about this issue without fear Um, I, for example, am vaccinated. However, I've also had COVID and I've been told by my doctor that I do not need additional shots. And when you have the executive mandating this one size fits all, which takes zero account of any type of nuances, as you mentioned earlier, abrogates, which is traditionally a state rights issue and does something completely unprecedented in American history, which is, again, force adults to take a vaccine. Uh, We all need to speak openly and truthfully about this and express our fears, not just as attorneys in terms of what kind of precedent this is going to set, but also as citizens. And it's okay to talk about it. Where are we now? You mentioned uh, that there are numerous challenges. How would you assess where we are right now? Um, I'd say we're right in the thick of it, right in the middle of it. Um, We have various challenges. Um, I think it's important to understand exactly uh, why the law is being challenged. Um, It's important to understand why the OSHA uh, mandate it does not give the executive the authority to come up with these one-size-fits-all rules that will be applied to millions of workers. This is a state's issue. And where we are is um, we had a court, for example, uh, stay. They put a pause on the mandate, and it's going to be litigated. It's going to be examined, and it could take Uh, I would say uh, a couple months, if not almost a year. And in the meantime, again, I can't stress enough to continue to encourage dialogue about what the United States is going to look like if we are faced with these types of threats, we're faced, God forbid, with viruses in the future. Do we want to allow the executive to come up with rules that affect our ability to decide what goes in our body? but also affects our ability and our right to congregate, to assemble, to make a living, to pursue happiness in this country. I think it's very, very scary where we are going right now. Uh, and this whole to... fear mongering by the executive as the, as the excuse. And the Biden administration actually came out and said, if we don't pass this, hundreds of thousands of people are going to die. I don't think that's a policy argument. That's not a legal argument. That's not a reason to just accept blindly arbitrary rules coming out of this executive. Well, if that's the case, then, you know, I hate to use the trite but often used example, then smoking, driving, you know, what, where do they go on those? Let me, let's go to some of the numbers to put a little more context to this and some specific questions about what OSHA is doing in the general rule. 
uh, by the numbers, more than 222 million people. This is reported by Axios. I don't want anyone to accuse me of using right-wing numbers, but we'll go with Axios reporting on the CDC's own numbers. More than 222 million people in the U.S. have received at least one dose. 70% roughly of adults in America are fully vaccinated. We'll put the children aside even for the moment as a part of this discussion. Uh, And, you know, there's the natural immunity, there's herd immunity potential here. Lots of things that are not being accounted for. But OSHA, or the Biden administration pushing this through OSHA, will, one, want us to either vaccinate, comply, vaccinate, or test by January 4th, and if not, could be fined $13,653 each, and fines could go as high as $136,532 per violation if employers are found to be willfully non-compliant or if they have repeat offenses. Now, they say that's in line with other rules the agency enforces, but there's the rub for me, Brooke. The rule, the general rule, doesn't match up when you read the text with the type of order they're trying to enforce. Help me with this. It's, it's totally arbitrary. You're, you're exactly right. You, ha- you have OSHA, whose power is to issue emergency rules that are limited to workplace hazards, for you know, example, chemicals or, or toxins. It was never intended to be a justification for a countrywide massive vaccination process. But frankly, the vaccinations are happening outside the workplace. OSHA has no authority to mandate what people do and the actions they take outside of the, the workplace. Um, so. Look, there are studies coming out, like you said, I don't want to be accused of having right-wing or conservative numbers. Cornell University just released a study saying that vaccines do not mitigate COVID transmission. So even if you were to say that there's some sort of grave danger here to allow OSHA to, to uh, justify executive overreach, this danger is not being mitigated by vaccines. And this is now common knowledge. So the whole thing, you know, the danger to me and what I want to emphasize here, if you come away with one thing, is the blind obedience of arbitrary and overbroad laws is what leads to the degradation of our democracy. Does the COVID threat justify this type of precedent? I, I believe it does not. In... Will we have to see this play out? The fair way to state this, right? As you said, we're in the thick of it. But if they were able to get this mandate upheld, if they were to defeat it, and chances are that a challenge or two may go to the Supreme Court or the court can decide to bring them together uh, in in, in this case, it's possible. But if they were able to force this, there's a slippery slope here, Brooke, isn't there? Oh, I think that's obvious. I mean, the floodgates would be totally open. There, there is no limit as to what the executive could do or what they can use or what situation they can use to justify uh, these types of powers. It is very important that we safeguard our basic civil liberties 
to decide what goes in our own bodies. Healthy people are not the problem. This mandate is punishing people who are healthy, who want to work, who are good, law-abiding citizens. And if COVID is used as an excuse uh, for this type of, um, frankly, dictatorship-style overreach, then, again, the floodgates really are open here. I put it aside for the moment, but now the child Vac- the children's vaccine mandate. Uh, San Francisco, the first one to step into that. I don't think there's any surprise for any of us there. But, you know, when you talk about health, immune systems, those least affected, again, what about the children's vaccine mandates? So, again, I am not a doctor, but I am a mother. And I have nothing against vaccines. But what I would like to see is more research. I want clarity on what's going on. My children have had COVID. They are fine. Most children are not at high risk. I do not want to use my children as some sort of societal experiment. I think that every mother and father, every parent has the right to choose at this point, given the lack of data, given all the misinformation, about what goes inside their children's bodies. And it is very scary to think that there are people who are promoting the notion that children should be denied education unless they take at this point what I think is is an experimental vaccine uh, when it comes to children. It's not what's on the table, so I don't expect you to have all the details, but the story that caught my eye as well was the improper uh, vaccine. They gave the adult dosage to children. And the system, this concerns me, and it should every parent, that the system is not set up with people who will check and do the wrong thing. I'm not saying every nurse out there is incompetent, every doctor, uh, pharmacist or otherwise, but if your child gets the wrong vaccine... You know, the the potential there increases, doesn't it? The potential for harm? Well, I I would assume so. Again, I'm I'm not a doctor, but I think it's also important. Um, Last time I checked, there there are states like California that aren't even waiting uh, for full approval from the FDA to begin vaccinating children. So, again, I think that's very risky. I think every parent should be able to make the choice for themselves. And, um, you know, we have to learn how to manage uh, these types of viruses spreading because it seems as though, unfortunately, uh, we are in this age now where uh, biological weapons are a reality and uh, leaks, intentional or unintentional, of these types of viruses are a reality. So how do we balance our basic rights, our civil rights with with these threats? And again, I do not think it justifies total executive overreach to the point where you have mandates that do not give adults choices whether or not they want to take a vaccine. They do not give them the choice to consult with their doctor. They are threatened that they will lose their job unless they comply with uh, overbroad mandates that really have no basis in science or fact. You know, Judge Engelhardt said it quite well. He said this is a one-size-fits-all sledgehammer. That does not account for any types of differences when it comes to uh, people and, and their health. Yeah, 
Brooke Goldstein, civil rights attorney, uh, joining me on the phone. Uh, so Brooke, period in time, we're getting into, you know, into kind of that pre-Christmas holiday rush. Things slow down. COVID courts are already slow. You know the landscape out there. Uh, is it even possible to look at this from a timeline perspective? It's always hard to predict these things, but I would say that given the fact that we still are in a pandemic, that this is something that the courts are looking at and going to try to expedite decision-making. I don't think they're going to drag their feet on this. All right. We will see what they do with it. After all, uh, Americans are paying attention, and uh, maybe that is also part of the reaction of the courts. They know people are paying attention to this from all sides. Thank you, Brooke. Thank you for having me. All right, we'll take a break. 866-95-PATRIOT and uh, back to the veterans issues on the other side. 